Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casazzi here on a Monday morning. Final week of the regular season. Chris Anderson, one, welcome back. Two, let's not go forward. Let's look in reverse for just a minute here. We did not talk Saturday evening. Can't imagine, no offense to you, there would have been anything earth-shattering about the different takes we could have shared with one another. 42-21, pretty lopsided game. Two days later, let me quiz you for a second. Mm-hmm. Expected? Unexpected? What you saw. I know we kind of figured that they were close, but it could get away. Weren't really sure what West Virginia would be like mentally after that Oklahoma game. All the positive responses seemed like they were there. Seemed like it's been a pretty resilient team for most of the season, so maybe that's not expected. Nevertheless, they look really good offensively, better defensively. Maybe that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I thought I thought they would be fine. I didn't think Cincinnati had anything offensively that would hurt West Virginia. So I, I think maybe my prediction, I, can, I think maybe I did it for our Cincinnati uh, podcast. I said something like you know, West Virginia 24 to like 17 or something like that. I just didn't think Cincinnati was going to be able to get anything going offensively. I was concerned about West Virginia getting something going offensively. Um, but – um, I want to give the guy credit. He's on our site. Dome defense, I believe, was his username. Pointed out basically that Cincinnati just crashed hard in one direction to, to try to disrupt West Virginia's offense, which is the big reason Derek Green just ran free. And it always looked like Cincinnati had no idea that he was allowed to run. Like, you know, thinking this was backyard football and he couldn't run, couldn't scramble till he got to five seconds or something. Um, and he just was able to run free. And once he was able to run free, then they had to change on the fly. And then it was off from there. So that was the only part that surprised me was that Cincinnati would make themselves so vulnerable like that. And kudos to West Virginia for just exploiting the heck out of it. Where do you put Cincinnati with the group of newcomers? Let's say for like a three-year window here, because there is a transition period. We think everybody understands that. We're seeing some of the growing pains this year. Those four teams, I don't want to say they're going in different directions, but there's four teams there, and they're going to be joined by four more. They're just in an interesting spot because they were so good with their previous coach. It's a pretty decent program, but with a different coach now. And of the four newcomers that I've seen this year, that's the team that inspired the least amount of confidence in me. Well, did they inspire the least amount of confidence because some of the coaching decisions i think you pointed it out very early on when it was like fourth and a foot at the 43 yard line for a three and seven team and the coach was like not nope, send in the punting unit like what kind of mentality is that that is nuts not only that but, but like after they made a quarterback change too like let's get this guy in the field and get something going actually let's punt right away that just seemed totally counterproductive to me right yeah i mean there was there was not much that inspired hope um i would think from the cincinnati side of things because Talent-wise, they looked overmatched. Um, Coaching-wise, they looked overmatched. Like Just kind of out of it. I don't know. I mean, I mean, there's obviously potential there. Recruiting in Ohio, you're moving up. But if you're going to get beat down like that uh, by a West Virginia team, that you know, if you look right across the river and ask West Virginia fans about the state of their program, some of them are not going to be quite as high on it. And, and you just got walled by them in a game that was not even that close. Um, you know. I don't know exactly how bright the future is in Cincinnati. Interesting coach for sure. He had a post game to remember here. 
This is Scott Satterfield, who was at Louisville and then kind of just sneaked away to Cincinnati. I mean, it was kind of like he got handed off. I think they might have fired him. And then he coaches against Louisville in the bowl game. Really strange thing. Anyways, Louisville's great without him. That kind of worries me a little bit. Some of his explanations, though, at the end of the game. On the fourth down one, I hadn't put this anywhere, but I think it's pretty revealing here. Sometimes you go for it, sometimes you don't. The reasons why tonight we didn't go for it on fourth down was I didn't feel very confident. It's the first drive of the game. He didn't feel very confident. Kind of like he knew maybe what was going to happen and coached a little bit differently because of that. All right, put a ribbon on that one. Open up the final mailbag of the season here, Chris. A little bit on the line, 7-4. and four. Could get six wins in the Big 12. Baylor might have given up. But it's a trip to Waco in November. It's just kind of a tricky game. That's never been a good place for West Virginia either. So certainly something to look forward to here. I don't think Neil Brown have to dig too deep to find motivation. He's been pretty good at that all year. We'll figure out what he has to say on Monday. That's today. Press conference, him, coordinators, players. But before we get too far down the road, let's take some questions and give some answers. Let's start right there because we got multiple questions in regards to this, and I'm going to read two of them. The first one comes from, because I believe they're very much related, from M. Burns 40. He asked, do either of you think Ren Baker will be able to fight off a fan apathy while also keeping Neil employed at WVU on another season? Um, And then Salty Dog 8159 points out, WVU fandom, Twitter, message boards, including the Country Reds Confidential Board, seem to be polluted with negativity despite winning yesterday. Do you get a sense that the team staff are hearing any of this noise, et cetera, et cetera? Mike, I guess this is just kind of overall state of the program type questions, but your thoughts? Difficult, isn't it? Think of who we talk to and who we communicate with and where we hang out, at least with our jobs. The people who reach out to us are typically going to complain or have something to like complain about or to be negative about. And it's not because they're wrong all the time, but just that's that's the access point for us. It's very easy to get in touch with us and like complain about something or point something out that maybe isn't a complaint. It's a valid critique. So there's a lot of that and you're kind of inundated by it. That makes it difficult to get a true reading, I think. And so much of, just to be honest, Chris, like so much of the past, let's just say year, has been trying to figure out if and when and why they would get rid of the coach. For me, that's just kind of been like the nature of the job, talking to people, wondering about buyouts, hot boards, things like that. So it's just kind of like on the tip of your tongue that people just generally aren't impressed, excited, whatever you want to call it. So I don't know how widespread that is. I think a lot of the indicators make you think that it's not just, like like I said, the neighborhood that you and I hang out in because the attendance hasn't been great. There's donation levels and support for this and that. But they got players that come in from the portal. We'll see how many they lose. Going to have a good bowl game, I think. Might be an exciting opponent that can like, you know, stir the drink a little bit for the offseason. I don't think any of that stuff gets rid of that that apathy, though. And there's no great answer apart from get like a 10-win season and some NFL players that make you feel like you're really looking forward to something like you haven't in a while. So that's a hard one to do. How would they do it? Is there some marketing mix? Is there some cleverly edited video. I don't think it's anything like that. You know, we could complain about access. Let's talk to the players more. Let's tell more of their stories. I don't think that does it. It's just difficult. They haven't really done it in a while. It's been kind of ho-hum for a couple of years. And when you see something good happen or something better happen, I think it takes a while to turn things around and make you excited about it again, too. So I don't know how they fight that. I think 
the question to me would, would it be is that severe as people think as widespread as people think it might be but then how do you get out of that so whether it's a big thing to make it smaller or a small thing to make it non-existent that's that's a question everywhere where the team isn't you know winning trophies and hanging banners uh, i think for the most part and this goes with things outside of sports as well and their favorite sports teams people are going to stick to what they think pretty much no matter what mm-hmm. i think they're just not going to change their mind about stuff um I noted in the stock up, stock down after the game, I said one of the big things I've noticed is that Neil Brown is is adapting. He's changing. He's changing his approach. One of the biggest ones was, you know, personnel and being willing to change up something that's not working and putting in younger players. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you recall this, Mike, but there were many a games where you and I would talk on a post game rapid reaction pod, and it was like. Why will he not make a change when when player X is, you know, once again having a subpar game? He, he will not get away from the old veteran who's okay to try something new. Just won't do it. He's doing it now. And then it was, hey, why this offense stinks? It can't get anything going. Now the offense is getting something going. Uh, you know, the, things are changing. There seems to be some sort of positive trend going on and he's making some changes for the better and some people just aren't going to change their mind i mean that's just just the case they're just not going to uh, again until i mean maybe maybe once you get to 10 and 2 when you're in the 12 championship game but even then i'm sure some people point out, oh the schedule wasn't that good or whatever it is this, this week but um you know it did I mean, I'm not crazy, right? Like this feels like this is something that happened even with with previous coaches. Like there were people who were always going to hate Dana. There were people who were always going to uh, not support Bill Stewart or completely support Bill Stewart or completely support Dana. And even even with Rich Rod, like this is pretty normal, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. so everything I think everything you just said is a good point. It might lead to the answer here. So, what more does he have to do then? And part of that's going to be whether or not people want to be honest with themselves. And it doesn't mean that they have to agree with this, but they have to probably at least consider the variables that this could have gone really, really poorly this year, too. They could have lost some of these games that they won. Just just the stuff that you kind of critique Brown for in the past. It didn't happen this year, and that's why maybe they're in a good spot. Does that mean he outgrew it? Does that mean it can't come back? No. There are a lot of critiques and gripes about, for example, the offense and the roster and this and that, you know, youth movements. Can this side of the ball do this? Can this part of this side of the ball do that? And I think slowly but surely some of those things have kind of turned for him a little bit. So what's left? And could he address that? So the forthcoming answers, that could be staffing decisions. It could be transfer portal acquisitions. It could be not only signing players, but getting them in a position to play in the recruiting class. Can that continue to go in a spot that makes people continue to turn toward him? So maybe it's not done yet. Does he see it through? And then it's not necessarily how does it look at the end, but what's the work that goes into it? Does he continue to do that? Does he continue to adapt and evolve in the manner that people think is probably been rewarding or positive this year that hadn't been there before? Can that continue? Or is that just a one-year desperation thing to clear the deck, get himself situated in a a better direction? That probably wouldn't make people as happy. I think it's important that, like you said, he continues to do it. You you have to stack these things. You have to stack the positive momentum. You know, it's like if you're working out, you're trying to get in shape. If you have one great workout 
and then go three days without working out. Like, that's not good. Like, you know, that, that one day of working out has gone. You've forgotten about it. And it's just the same case with coaching. The same thing with sports. You do one great thing, but then, you know, if you don't retain the talent that's currently on the roster to get them come back, if you don't add to it by bringing in a nice transfer portal class and nice recruiting class, if you don't, you know, if you do lose coaches and you don't replace them in the right way, anything and everything positive that happened this year is now forgotten because you didn't stack. You didn't continue to add to it. It goes right back to the, uh, by the way, I haven't heard trust the climb in a while, but our, our comments back with, with trusting the climb, when you climb a mountain, and you slip and fall one time, you don't slide back a little bit. You slide all the way back to the bottom or back to a, a flat point. So you are one step forward, four steps back. So you really need to stack some positive things in a row, which, again, um, you win the Cincinnati game, but if you go and lose at Baylor, Cincinnati's forgotten. Scott, like nobody cares anymore. You beat Cincinnati and you beat Baylor. Okay, all right. Hey, that's two nice, that you know, two overmatched opponents, but – Two blowout wins in the season, but then you lose in a bowl game. Those two games are forgotten. But then if you win the bowl game and you're nine and four, then it's, hey, you know, nine and four, one, three in a row to end the season. Now people are forgetting that Cincinnati and Baylor sucked. And you're just talking about the team being nine and four and maybe talking about what you added in the offseason as well. And then the question becomes, well, what do we have to change? What left? Why did it change? what's the inspiration we just won nine games so again how how much can it continue will it continue i think that it's it's not yet answered but it's again it's not a it's not a social media graphic it's not even like a season ticket thing there's going to be a series of things that happen is a good word like people probably should be more excited about things but they can qualify a lot of it too and say that you know the schedule's this and you know could have lost that and it's, it's hard to dispute that it is it doesn't it takes a lot of time to deflate those arguments MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of retention in the offseason, multiple people asking related questions. So I'm going to pop two in a row here. How many players can go to Country Roads, uh, they said CRC, but Country Roads Trust, and ask for a blank check and get it? That's from CMM0016. He says CRC. I tell you what, we don't have any blank checks to write, so it's not us. Uh, And then Butler Ear follows up with, what is the money range for the uh, CRT players? Is the CRT fund growing or shrinking? Do we have enough? Mike? You got any updates or anything you've heard about the fund, how it's doing? Is it healthy? I don't know if we need actual dollar amounts or if you know them, but is it healthy? Honestly, I have not talked to people about that, and it's probably time to do it because sooner or later you want to you realize profit from your success. So can they go out and talk to some people now and say, hey, did some good things, got these guys coming back if people like you can help us. So I imagine that those mailers or phone calls to go out soon, but I don't think it's in a bad place. And I think that they could really go out and pitch it properly here to be effective. Not only get it's, it's a hard thing to point to the transfers and say, 
boy, how about Beanie Bishop? Because that's been good. And, and again, we've been over that, but like it's a Fatorma Moba and a Daylon Hawkins are those guys. One, were they like big NIL guys? Probably not. But you're going to have to do that type of work with people to make sure they understand this is good. It can get better. We can get three Beanie Bishops. We can get a Beanie Bishop on offense and defense. And then so you have those conversations. But the bigger thing is, boy, do you like Jaheim White? Boy, do you like Traylon Ray? Boy, do you like Ben Cutter? Yes, so do we. Can we keep him here? Like, you're going to have to do that stuff. So they need to probably get to work on that sooner or later. And I'm sure they have because what do you think, Chris? Like, a day after the Baylor game, they'll start having conversations with people. So it's going to have to happen quick. And you figure, how healthy is it? It's as healthy as your record and the momentum you have going forward. I mean, you have a good season. And you could say, brought in some good transfers. We're eyeballing some more. But more importantly, all these freshmen and all these young players, be cool if we can keep them. Can we help you? Can, Can you help us out? I think that's like, the big part of this like how healthy is that is that a number no but it's like the enthusiasm people to pitch in and keep the people here you asked about you know how quickly that stuff is going to be happening might already be happening um and it might already be like with depending on the players um, i heard one story of a, of a player who was having those discussions with the coaching staff on the flight back from stillwater uh, the season ending game last year um i reported on the site at the time last year around Thanksgiving that West Virginia was already fighting off teams because C.J. Donaldson, who had gotten hurt and had gone home for uh, Thanksgiving, it was like panic mode of trying to make sure that the right people were talking to him when he was back down in South Florida and making sure that, you know, under-the-table NIL deals weren't being, you know, I mean, obviously there's no way to keep them from being passed along, but to make sure that West Virginia was in a position to counter any of those NIL deals. So there are likely players that they are already having to, you know, scrounge up funds for and players that they're going to be having conversations with this week and and maybe even on the flight home from Waco, just like last year on the flight home from Stillwater. Let's answer the other question kind of like directly, indirectly if we can. Like, I don't know what the blank check is. Like, I don't, I don't know if they have that type of thing. I think that. Yeah. Can I hop in on that real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Because there's a certain player that, uh, and it was essentially told to me that, you know, you know, there is no quote salary cap, but they told me, you know, things are maxed out. And if that player is coming back asking for more than what they're already being paid from the trust, then they're just going to have to say goodbye. So there is a point. There is no blank check. There is a point for players where the coaching staff and the trust and the school just has to say, all right, we wish you luck. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So, How many players, though? I mean, well, how about this? Some of the numbers we've heard, um, I would say to get people here, it's six figures, right? Like we've yeah, heard that I mean, before about like people have been promised or offered or like, you know, incentivized, whatever you want to say. Don't want to use the word induced, but there have been some big numbers thrown around. So that's a big number. How many players get that big number thrown around with them? That's another good question there, too. So you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars across a couple of people. I don't think it's as big as people think. I don't think every player is coming in and saying we need to rework my deal because some of them just don't know about it or don't want to do the work to actually do it, to come in and do that and then have the conversation and figure out what they're going to have to do on top of football to like, satisfy that. And then, frankly, like a lot of the people just – like there are exceptions, but a lot of the players just – I don't want to say aren't worth it, but like 
it's not it's not a scary situation for them. There's not like a, a competition for a majority of the roster. It's it's it happens, but it's concentrated into a smaller number of players, and it's not as I don't think it's as divisive or or distracting as people think. I might be wrong. I know it's an issue, but and when it when it happens, it really happens. Like when the Hornets start buzzing, that's a big deal. But I don't think it's a. I think the misconception is probably confusing too, and that's probably sorting itself out with some players to realize that okay, I'm not him. Uh, I can't do this. I can't expect that. And then reality kind of sets in a little bit. Yeah, because out of the 85, I'm trying, I'm trying my hardest not to step on the toes of one of the videos we're going to try to do later in the week. But mm-hmm. out of 85, you know, scholarship players, maybe a handful are getting pursued like C.J. Donaldson was last, you know, Thanksgiving time that I was talking about. Maybe a handful. And then maybe a handful more that are being lightly you know, pursued by others and a handful more that are getting some 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 glances from across the room from other schools. But what do you say? You said like two dozen, right? So yeah, maybe like sixty to sixty five of the of the eighty five players, like there's nothing to worry about with them with them being induced to leave. Like I mean sure there could be guys that are like, well, you know, I'm third third on the depth chart. I'm I'm gonna leave. That's different. We're talking about being induced to leave. It might be more than 65 that, that are not going to be in that category. So um, it, it's not widespread across the entire roster for any team, but it is something to keep in mind. And, and part of the problem, let's see, and I don't know, it's a tough word to use here. Problem is that some of West Virginia's best players right now or some of their good players are these kids who it's almost like two, two different ends of the spectrum guys with one single year of eligibility left who can transfer, graduate and transfer. And then these guys who have four years of eligibility left or three years of eligibility left, not four, of course, because they're playing. But now that schools are recruiting them, this is something you have talked about a lot, like with Tommy uh, Durajayi, mm-hmm. how he was a coveted piece because he was a freshman that was transferring. So he still had a ton of eligibility left and you can get him and you can keep him for multiple years. So other schools are going to look at guys like, holy cow, Jaheim White, he's great at West Virginia. When you want to, you guys want to go grab him and have a running back set for the next three seasons? What about a guy like Traylon Ray, Rodney Gallagher, Ben Cutter? Like he's already playing. We're already contributing. So those are guys that are going to get looks um, from other schools right now. There's a number of players, and it's it's probably obvious names. Like, if it's a star player, if you would buy their jersey, let's say, that's probably a player you have to worry about just because the meter runs a little bit and people are going to come out and be interested. Now, the thing is, that player might not be interested in leaving, but it's just going to use it as leverage. So let's just randomly pull one out here. Uh, let, let's go, like, Jacoby Spells. That's probably, like, a profile player that people would think about um, or might not think about. But that might be someone who's targeted because a talented player who's just not got a ton of playing time here and but he might not want to leave because he knows that Bishop and Ruffin are gone. And all of a sudden, he's a guy that could be up there. Does he want to leave? Does he want to go to? I mean, again, let's be unfair. Let's say Miami. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But let's also say that like Florida A and M or FIU comes in and offers him some money, and he goes into the office. Does he want to go to FIU? Maybe not. But he'd also be silly not to go and and see what's out there for him at West Virginia because they probably would like to have him back. There's situations like that across the roster that you know there might be more obvious players like a like a Wyatt Milam. Okay, here's a talented player who could go pro, who could transfer and be attractive, but he could also be back here. How much is that worth? But does he want to leave? So there's layers to it, but there, there are a lot of people I think probably um, 
I think a lot of people think that it's just a constant everyday thing for teams that it is, but it's just because it exists with like the important pieces that are just naturally coveted by their schools. I'm just not sure how many, how many apples are on that tree that are going to get plucked. Probably a bunch that will be looked at, but I'm not sure that I'm not sure it's like, yeah, more than you said, like a, a couple, a couple dozen, two dozen. That's a roundabout number. And, and hey, and this is also why there's a quote unquote general manager now at yeah. West Virginia, and they're going to be in a lot of schools because they're going to look at it like NFL teams, and they're going to look at their rooms and be like, "Hey, do we really want to pay? You know, um, let's just say running back. You know, say say somebody wants money in the running back room, and but you know you got Jaheim White and C.J. Donaldson coming back, and you're bringing in Deory Hubbard. Like, do we really want to pay when we already got that back." Um, I'm using running backs and safeties because I know that's what the NFL kind of not devalues, but they, they know they can find good players all over the place for value. Um, and West Virginia is going to have to look at that. Like, look at that room. Who's behind him? Who's ready to play at those positions? Should you be paying for somebody if you already have a player who's 90% as good, ready to step right in and take over that spot? Probably not. And those are the decisions they're going to have to make at pretty much every position on the field. Stay tuned on that one. It's going to be a lively, oh yeah, lively part of the off season. It's it's coming up fast. Less than two weeks, yeah, less than two weeks away from chaos. I think it's December second that it starts. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a boatload of fun. Um, let's see. Well, but here, this is maybe a more general question because you've been in the box. So somebody, ear traveler, asks: Are we aware of any bowl reps attending the Baylor game? Don't get really get those beforehand, but you can see them when you walk into the press box and see the seating chart. Um, Mike, off the top of your head, I hate to put you on a spot, but can you remember some of the bowl reps that you've seen that have come to Morgantown um, for for games so far this year? Yeah, Pop Tarts and Independence Bowl have been at the last two games. There's going to be, I would imagine, there will be people at Waco just for maybe like the Liberty Bowl and the Guaranteed Rate. I think there's the two you look at most for West Virginia. Just depending on how things go, can Texas get in? Again, this just turns into like rooting for Texas to make the playoff if you want a good bowl. If not, you're they they could get up above the independence, but I think if they're pretty much anticipating they're going to end up in the independence or the guaranteed rate, guaranteed rate picks after the independence. So one of those two would be there. Just Kansas, Kansas State, West Virginia might finish with you know a similar, better conference record, but some of those teams have good reputations to travel out west for things and. Not being in Texas is a negative if you try to play in the Texas Bowl. Trouble is, I'm not sure they're going to have a team from Texas that's available for the Texas Bowl. So they might have to make some concessions there to to fill that one out. And it could be they could get up into a better bowl game. But just the people I talked to pretty much say that those are the two to look at. But I would imagine that one or both would be in Baylor. Yeah, and I would say anybody that showed up for the game against Cincinnati and anybody that shows up in Waco, that means something because neither neither Cincinnati nor Baylor are going to bowl games. So whoever comes to either of these last two games, they are there for West Virginia and West Virginia only. Um, you know, it's not like when they played Oklahoma or even when they were playing BYU at home uh, just, a, just a few weeks ago. Like BYU was uh, on, on pace to be bowl eligible, West Virginia too, so it could have been for either teams. But these last couple games, like this is West Virginia and West Virginia only. So uh, take note, if you will. Yeah. And the interesting thing here is the the Independence Bowl was here a couple weeks ago had the full like car wash and meetings with marketing and the athletic directors and all that. That's the last pick really relevant to West Virginia last pick. 
the Pop Tarts Bowl was Orlando, which is one of the earlier picks. And for to go from BYU to Oklahoma to Cincinnati, quite a few things happened in those three games that eh, the, the West Virginia image is a little bit volatile during that time, let's say. But to be there in that last game to see them play so well and to be the Pop Tarts Bowl, which is a higher pick, an earlier pick, that's intriguing, I think. So there, there's a chance they get above it. They're not there on accident. Like I was there to do something and take a look. So maybe a wing could get them up into that Orlando conversation. Again, he's not there because he's just trying to spend a, a Saturday afternoon in Morgantown. He's there because he's trying to do some work. Related bull question while we're at it from SG Taylor 24. And I have no idea the answer to this question, but I'm going to throw it out there. So Mike can also say he has no idea or provide some insight. I'm not sure, but he wants to know any idea on uh, changes to the bowl tie-ins given the Pac-12's collapse. What, what, do, what do you think is going to happen with that? Or have you heard anything? They're going to have to do something because, for example, they play a Pac-12 team in the Pop-Tarts. No, the Guaranteed Rate. Is that right? That's a big right. 10. Yeah, the one in Arizona. Yeah. The other one in Arizona, the uh, Alamos Pac-12. So there's a couple. I think there's two Pac-12 tie-ins. There's only two Pac-12 teams next year. <laughs> so they're going to have to figure that out. So I don't know how they do that. They're, just, they're going to have to rework that. And, and I don't think it's a year for bowl cycles either. So they're going to probably have to spin that wheel a little bit earlier. I know I've talked to people about how I know I've talked to, I mean, I have talked to people who just say that the current system isn't going to work because not only that, you're going to have way too many teams in a conference like the Big Ten that's going to have probably more available teams for a bowl than there are bowl possibilities and good teams too. They're going to have to figure out how to split those up and disperse the the Pac-12 teams that have, or the bowls that have kind of faded because they're all part of the Big 12 and, or excuse me, the Big Ten now. Next question comes from DKWVU fan 100, and it's it's one of Mike's favorite topics. It's contract extensions once you get under four years. Oh, it's one of your favorite things. Uh, Neil Brown's up in 2026, um, and DKWVU fan asks, with Mike stating a contract extension is unlikely, how does or would this impact Neil Brown, especially if he wants an extension and is told no? All right, so don't don't put headline out there that I said that they're not going to extend him. Okay, I think I wrote somewhere somewhere that it, it wouldn't be my. I, I just don't think that. I don't think that they're going to do it because it just seems like a strange move to me. But also, I'm not sure Brown would do it. So hey, Neil, let's give you a couple more years, but let's make it easier to fire you. That's a hard conversation. <laughs> like I love because any doing. extension is going to be like a like the Dana extension, right? Where it's like, hey, yeah, we're extending you, but it's not guaranteed and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and which was divisive. I think Dana just wanted that to be done with and not work. I mean, he cashed in ten wins, but what did he really get out of it? Like, I didn't do much different, and he still had to pay when he left. So, so you go into Neil Brown's office or you talk to his agent and you say, "Congratulations, we're really happy that you won eight or nine games this year. We want to give you some more years." And we feel so good about the way things are going that we'd also like you to reduce your buyout so we can pay less to fire you because, boy, that was an issue for the past 12 months. I don't know how you have that conversation and and make it go the way that they both go. That'll work. I I guess it's happened, but I would be really – if I'm Brown, I'm not sure I'd do that. Do you want more years? Well, you got three more years. Does that matter in in the recruits' living room? I think when you have like a lame duck or when it's two years or when the the heat's really up, that's an issue. If you go around and say, I got three years and I just won eight or nine games, I think it's a lot easier to talk about your stability in your future. Now, the trouble is, does West Virginia think the way that we think? Time and again, that has not been the case. 
So, so who knows? I just, I just don't think it's a good idea for anybody involved. And more importantly, I don't see where, I don't know what the common ground would be. I don't know why you make it easier for someone to say or to get rid of somebody if you're in a position to not do that. With with you entirely, I think I think it'll be easier even without an extension. I think it's going to be easier for Neil Brown to recruit this offseason than it was last offseason. Period. Because last offseason, as the or last season, as the season was going on, it was is Neil Brown getting fired? When is Neil Brown getting fired? He's going to get fired. Oh, they're changing the athletic department. Who knows going to be back on the staff? This, that, everything else. And the team finished under 500. Now they're could be eight and four, could be nine and four and recruiting. And, you know, nobody, nobody's sitting in a room, especially now, especially now going, Hey, are you going to be here in 2027? Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's going to ask that. Like, you, you know, kids are going to ask, Hey, you know, are you, you want to be here when I'm here? Are you going to stay for long term? Sure. But they're not sitting here asking about the contract four years out from where you are right now. That's just not questions that are coming up as much now as they were, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. So I think West Virginia and Neil Brown should be able to recruit better this offseason than they were previously. And I'm with you. I don't see why either party would want an extension unless, you know, Neil Brown's not going to want an extension because you're kind of negotiating an extension at a semi-low point, again, uh, on the way back up, but What's your, if you think you're you're better than this, like you're not negotiating at your true value. And meanwhile, the school is going to try to, like you said, get it where, sure, we'll give you a couple more years, a few more million dollars, but we also don't have to pay you if we fire you, which, you know, Neil Brown's not going to take that, I don't think. Yeah. But, I mean, the trade-off here would be you get more years to stay here, but you also make it easier for us to dismiss you. And I'm not sure that's an equal trade if you're Brown, who's been kind of pushing the boulder uphill and feels like he's got it now. So just to what more years, more salary. Okay. You give me, you give me big money in like the two year extension, which I may not actually get to experience because you've lowered the buyout. It's going to take some finesse and some skill. I don't, I don't know that I have the way to do that. And I just think I would probably wait to see if this could actually happen again. Cause there's a lot of indications that this could be like a one-time thing or the schedule was such that, you know, it worked out well and Hey, kudos to them for capitalizing, but you know, a lot of things fell into place here. Can they continue to fall into place? Or is this like a coaching thing where you invest in the coach and it, it does return on the investment and you know an extension is a good idea? Maybe that's a little bit easier to answer like a year from now. You had 60 seconds to answer this last one, Mike. And I'm going to make it as complicated as possible. Even if this is from WVU Champs for Life, even if Neil Brown goes 9-4 and four with a bowl game win, could we see a showdown between the higher-ups and athletic director Ren Baker on whether to keep Neil or force him out and bring in Jimbo? You're, you're wasting some of your 60 seconds. I know. Yeah, that could happen because it's going to take a dynamic name to cause that sort of disruption. And I guess that qualifies as a dynamic name. And given his situation relative to WVU and, and to the state, that heightens it a little bit. So you've got a successful national champion coach from Clarksburg who may want to be the coach here. I haven't heard a word about that since he's been gone. And that's a guy who likes to talk a little bit. So somebody with money could say, not going to help you fund an extension. I'm not going to help you fund these things. I want a new coach. I just don't know who that person is or who those people are. And then can you let them in? And because they're going to want a lot to do with not only hiring the coach and making it possible, but with football in the future, they're moving forward. And that's a really tricky thing for Brown. Could it happen? Excuse me, for, for Baker. Could that happen? 
sure. That's that's not like a, a random script that's happened in college sports before. Could it happen here? Yeah, why not? West Virginia, strange things happen. So I, I just don't know that it's going to come, and I don't know that there's a tug of war to get rid of Brown uh, on one side to pull in Fisher from the other yet. That was it. I just wanted to give you 60 seconds for that one. Is there still a handful of Jimbo questions in there? I know that's also one of your favorite topics. Yeah, got to let it breathe. It's been, what, a week? It feels like a month. So see what happens and, and you know, let that guy kind of blow in the wind for a little bit and let West Virginia finish the season and figure out where things are and what they want to do. So who knows? Perhaps for all you know, they want to extend Brown. And Brown goes, absolutely not. I'm not happy here. And they go, well, okay, we got to go get this guy named Jimbo. And then the whole thing blows up, right? I suppose that's fan fiction people might like to read, too. Could it happen? I guess. But we just don't have those indications yet. So, again, give it time. Well, I think that wraps us up uh, for today, Mike. Again, uh, all you guys listening, if you didn't hear your questions, we've already picked a couple of them, and you probably know who you are because they were blatantly bait questions for the podcast. They're going to get their own individual uh, three-minute videos later in the week. Uh, if it weren't was not one of those two, I will be answering them in a written mailbag going up on Tuesday. Neat. Full Monday, last Monday of the regular season. Again, head coach, coordinators, players, and then uh, let's see what else is happening today. A Monday in college basketball. Oh, it's waiver season, Chris. <laughs> Maybe you hear something today. It's got to be sooner than later, you would think. If not, West Virginia on the court in North Fort Myers, Florida. Fort Myers, Florida against SMU, 830-ish tonight. We'll be covering it. Don't forget about that one. Someone here might have forgotten about that. Until then, I'm Mike Kazaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then.